Hi guys, welcome to Vetsplanation Staff Edition. So today I picked a topic that I feel like a lot of technicians like. Um, I picked abscesses in animals. So we're going to talk about a lot of the things about abscesses, like what we do for them, how to identify them, why we treat them the way that we do, and hopefully that kind of gives you a clearer understanding of it. I know most people just like the part where we pop the abscesses. So let's talk about more about it now. So what exactly happens like when an abscess develops under the skin? What happens is bacteria enters into that wound and then that wound kind of like closes over and it creates this pocket of just like bacteria in there. All that bacteria, it then starts to multiply over and over again and creates this pus that occurs. It does take about two to seven days from when that bacteria is put underneath the skin from when the abscess will form because it does take time for all that stuff to multiply. And abscesses can be really painful because they're like essentially just this inflamed pocket of infection. And I'm gonna geek out on you just a little bit here for a second, so bear with me, because the fact is it's not just bacteria. Yes, bacteria is what's penetrated into the wound. That, and that can cause pain, but that's not what's causing the majority of this. It's actually all of these other things called inflammatory cytokines. It's all of these cells that come together to try to help fight off that bacteria. So there's cells like neutrophils and macrophages and mast cells. These are all mostly white blood cells that are trying to go to that area to fight the bacteria. And that's how pus is created. And just pus is also known as purulent discharge. That is the medical term for it is purulent discharge. Pus is not really a great term for this. The reason why is because people like to add other letters to the end of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go ask somebody else. But purulent discharge is really the better, the better term for this. So the purulent discharge is not just bacteria. It's all of these white blood cells and it's all of the dead tissue that's combined to make this really foul smelling gross looking goo inside there. So it's all of this stuff that's like finding each other and eating each other. And now it's just like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what's causing it to be so painful. But it is important also to understand like where the bacteria is coming from. This can be from like the most classic thing is going to be bite wounds, but it can also be from like the pet's own bacteria. So from bite wounds, we think about the other pet's bacteria. It's stuff from their mouth. So if it's another cat that's, that's scratched one of the cats as they're running away, they'll grab onto their back in. And now all the bacteria from their claws are underneath their skin. Or a dog that's bit another dog and you have all that bacteria from the dog's mouth that's underneath the other dog's skin. But it can also just come from that own pet's bacteria. Let's say maybe they cut themselves on something and the bacteria that's naturally on their skin can then penetrate underneath the skin. And there's always going to be bacteria on your skin. It's a beneficial thing. It helps to decrease the amount of yeast that's on the skin. It also helps with trying to keep parasites and stuff away. It is a really beneficial thing when it's on the skin, just not under the skin then. So it could be that the pet's own skin opens up the barrier because usually the skin is there to create a barrier to make sure that no bacteria gets underneath it. But as soon as that barrier is broken, the pet's own bacteria gets underneath the skin and they can cause an abscess as well. 
Or this can be from other weird things like foreign bodies. You can have things like if anybody's from a California area, you will know about foxtails. So foxtails are like this weird weed that gets deep down into the skin and then creates uh, abscesses. Or it can be from a pet who's penetrated themselves by a trailer. I was saying on the Vetsplanation podcast that I have a lot of huskies for some reason that run into trailers, but all that dirt and bacteria from the trailer that gets underneath the skin and then can form an abscess as well. So you can see like this bacteria comes from a lot of different places. There are also what we call iatrogenic abscesses. Iatrogenic means that it comes from something that had to do with like medical intervention. So in other words, it came from us in the vet hospital. This can happen with things like needles, syringes, like things that were improperly sterilized or mishandled. So let's say you touch the side of the needle with your fingers or you touch the needle onto the counter. All that bacteria from your fingers or from the countertop is on that needle now. And then you go to inject a pet with that needle for, say, a vaccine or something. You put all of that bacteria underneath the pet's skin now, and that will create an abscess as well. Other things to think about are like contaminated drug bottles. Um, Think about the tops of the bottles. We puncture those over and over and over again when we get things like medications, right? A great example is dextrose. So dextrose is sugar and bacteria loves sugar. If you have a dirty needle that is punctured into the dextrose, bacteria is going to grow in the dextrose bottle because again, this is candy for this thing. And then now every single time we pull out an injection from the dextrose bottle, we're not only pulling out dextrose, we're also pulling out bacteria. So that is something that can be very detrimental because we're already giving the dextrose IV. That's how you have to give it. So now we're putting the bacteria directly into that pet's veins. And we're also usually giving it to very sick patients who are now going to become even sicker because they're going to become septic because bacteria is now in their bloodstream. So just an easy way to help prevent this from happening is to wipe down the top of the bottle with alcohol. You just take alcohol, put it on a gauze, wipe it down really quickly. Super easy to do. So the reason why we do that is to make sure that we don't puncture through bacteria that's already sitting on there. Because it doesn't even have to be from a dirty needle. It could be from bacteria from inside the cabinets where there's tons of dust. It could be from somebody putting their hands on that top of that bottle to grab it. I see that all the time. And using this alcohol wipe is exactly what they do in human medicine. And in human medicine, they don't even reuse things. Like there, there is nothing that they reuse for another patient. It is only used for that patient. Let's say they had a bottle of dextrose, but they're still going to use it for that same patient. They will always wipe down the top of that bottle so they can reuse it for that patient. Again, to make sure that they don't actually give that patient sepsis or give them bacteria directly into their veins because that would be terrible. So I feel like I know that people don't always think about this, but we we should do exactly what human medicine is doing to prevent these things. Like we want our, I want better for my pet than I'm even going to get. Like, can you imagine if we did this to poor little Hala? Everybody loves Hala. But if you gave her an infection because we like 
poked into a bottle that already had bacteria on it, that would be devastating. My wife would also come after somebody. So just saying, but just doing that very simple thing of just wiping off the top of those bottles can be very helpful. All right. Now there also are other like special types of abscesses that can occur in very specific places. Just kind of touch upon these a little bit. So one would be a tooth root abscess. So that usually forms like under the eye, like under into the side of the eye over here. There's also things like anal gland abscesses. That's where the anal glands become infected and rupture. These are usually located, like when you think about the anus, they're like in the four o'clock and eight o'clock positions here, just kind of like right on the edges. Most people think that they're like bleeding out of their anus when they see blood from there, or they don't notice it until the, the dog like sits down and then gets up and then they see the blood everywhere. So I'm not going to really talk too much about those because they really deserve their own podcast because we do other things for those. So I'm not going to talk about those. Just know that there are other types of abscesses as well. What kind of symptoms should pet owners look for then? So pet owners should watch out for any hot, swollen areas under the skin that can cause the animal to show like visible discomfort. So if they notice that they're petting them and they notice that there's like an area that's like very painful, the cat or dog is freaking out every time they touched it, uh, they should definitely come in. Or if they start noticing that there's a large red bump that's forming, especially like a cat in the back end or a cat on the face, uh, definitely again should bring them in for that. These swellings, they can be really tiny, like they can be the size of a pea, pretty small, or they can be giant, they can be the size of a cantaloupe. And you may also see like pus actually or prelim discharge actually coming out of the opening once that abscess is ruptured. But most of the time, they're not going to see that because it'll be pretty small at first. But other things that they might notice is that the pet is going to be sometimes kind of like lethargic, so not really wanting to move very much. They might hide more. They might have a reduced appetite. And then sometimes people will notice that their cat or dog has a fever. They'll like touch their ears and notice they're very hot. Or some people will actually even get a thermometer out so that they can check to see if they're hot or not. But the hard part about that is that those things like reduced appetite, listlessness, fever, like those can be due to other things as well. Those could be parvo. Those could be a salmon poisoning. They could be from another type of infection, like a urinary tract infection. So it can be from a lot of different things. So it is still important if they see those things to help to tell them to bring them in. So let's talk about like how we treat abscesses now. This is the part that all of the technicians love. So. With these patients who generally we sedate them or put them under full anesthesia, just depending on the situation and what's going to be best for that pet. You want to have the area clipped really, really wide around because we have to put a drain in and it will need to be placed as low as possible to help make sure we get like as much bacteria out as possible. The other thing is that the fur, we don't want the fur around that area to get into the wound especially because there's bacteria on that fur that's going to get into it. And then the third reason why is because even though there's a wound or there's that abscess right there, there's likely going to be some other wounds that are in that area too. But the fur is clipped really wide and then we scrub that area with antiseptic solution. Antiseptic solution means that it's a fluid that's kind of specially designed to help kill off certain types of bacteria. It can't kill everything, but it's going to help kill a lot of things. 
And then the veterinarian who's doing it is usually going to use a blade to poke into the abscess just as low as possible. And as soon as that prelint discharge starts coming out, that's when everybody is going to make some sound. So you just listen for everybody to make some gross sound. And then we start trying to flush out all of that bacteria. Usually I'll push on the abscess to get as much of that prelint discharge out as possible. And then usually we'll have the abscess flushed on the inside so we can try to flush that stuff out as well. It is really important to flush first before we put that drain in because otherwise if I poke another hole or I'm poking through it, we're just putting more bacteria into it. We're just seeding more bacteria in there. So it is good to flush it out first. And then the next thing is we're going to place like a latex drain that's going to help open the area. A couple of things with the latex drain you're not going to be touching the drain a lot, but if somebody mentions, like an owner mentions to you that they have a latex allergy, it would be really important for us to know that so that, that way we can use a different kind of material to put in rather than the latex. Because we don't want them to have an allergic reaction just trying to clean up that pet's drain. The other thing to know about these drains, they are round, right? I'm sure a lot of people have seen them. They're round. The ones that we use right now are very stiff and round. So a lot of people assume that fluid is going to come through that drain, but that's not actually how it happens. It's not like a drain that you think of like in your house, the fluid doesn't run through it. So that drain, the purpose of it actually is to help keep that wound open. I've created a hole for pus and sorry, for prenatal discharge and bacteria to come out of. And if we didn't have something in there, it would immediately close back up. And now we're in the same boat again. We still have more of an abscess. So we need to keep it open. And all of that drainage, all that fluid is going to come around that drain. So that way it still comes out. It's just not going to go through that drain. I think that's a really important thing to tell owners too when you're discharging them so that they know that fluid is not going to come through that drain. A lot of people think about just cleaning the end of the drain, whereas they don't think about cleaning the wound itself. And that's what they need to clean, not the drain itself. Right? So after we've put that, that tube in, some people will put the tube through two places. Some people will just put it through one place. I tend to put mine through just one hole and then suturing it to that, that hole. All right. Now let's talk about kind of like what the home care is for owners. We do a lot of this in the discharges, but you should have a good understanding of what is in those discharges and what they should do and why they should do that. One of the big things is sending them home with an e-collar. If it's not a place that's going to rub somewhere on that drain, sending them home with an e-collar. So that, that way they can't do a couple of things. They can't bite it out. If they bite it and there's a piece of drain that's left in there, that could cause an even worse infection. And then we have to go through a bunch of scar tissue to try to find it. If we can even find it, sometimes you'd have to be sent them to a specialist to find it. It becomes really bad. So they... They need to have that e-collar on so they cannot bite through that drain. We also want them to have it on because a lot of times there are sutures that are involved as well. We don't want them to rip out those sutures either. And then a lot of people are like, I'm going to take it off when, they, when I'm watching them. But here's the thing is you should remind them that it only takes seconds for this to happen. It only takes seconds for them to get irritated that there's a drain in there and seconds for them to be able to rip it out. I can't tell you how many people have come back and just been like, I just took their e-collar off for a second. I just wanted to help them be able to eat. And when I turned back around, they ripped everything out. 
So when people start getting upset, they just don't know how to handle the fact that they have this e-collar on. They don't know how to get their animals to eat and drink. Uh, one easy thing to do is just have them put their food and water on a box. If it's a small animal, put it on a small box. If it's a large animal, put it on a large box. But the e-collar should be able to go over the box and they can eat very easily that way. I have Nora, who's over 100 pounds, she's like a 120 pound dog, and she had this giant 40 e-collars. That's what she had. And she was running into walls, she was running to us, but she had to have that on. We had no other option. And the easiest way to help her eat and drink is literally just to put her food on a box and she'd go right over the box to be able to eat. They don't have to take it out to be able to feed them and let them drink. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is keeping the drain clean. So like I said, most people try to clean the end of the drain. That is not where everything comes out. It comes out of around the drain. Also reminding people to wash their hands beforehand because we have bacteria on our hands and that's not the same bacteria that's on that dog's body and not the same bacteria that's in that pet's abscess. So we want to make sure we wash our hands beforehand or if they can use gloves, it's even better. But they want to make sure that they clean around the drain so that, that way we can try, try to help make sure that all of that drainage comes out. If they don't clean it and all of that stuff just stops up around the drain, that drain isn't working. We can't get all of that fluid out and now that bacteria out and it's potentially going to get worse. So they got to make sure that they're cleaning around the drain. And then doing worm compressing, I don't think this is detrimental that they have to do this. Ideally, they should be able to do it because it's going to help the pet. That's a great natural way to be able to decrease inflammation and decrease pain. But all they have to do is use a warm washcloth to be able to clean that drain area. They don't need to use soap or anything. If they absolutely feel like they have to use soap, just Dawn dish soap, nothing perfumed or anything. And then using a warm washcloth, so putting their washcloth under warm water and then just holding that onto the abscess for about five to 10 minutes. It's a good idea just to have them put it on their wrists just to make sure that it doesn't burn them. If they can comfortably hold it on their wrist, then it's probably going to be okay for their pet. And then doing that just a couple times a day would be great. You know, if they can't because the pet's in too much discomfort, that's totally understandable. But at the very least, most, you know, biggest priority is just cleaning around that drain. On the same note, it's just cleaning the, just making sure the area stays clean in general. We want to make sure that drainage area stays clean. So some of the things to talk to them about is if they have a cat that they're keeping it indoors. This is for a couple of reasons. So one, if they have an e-collar on and they get out, that could be detrimental to them. Let's say they are walking across the street and they don't see a car because of their cone obstructing their view. Or if they are in the backyard and some wild animal gets them because they couldn't see that wild animal coming. Or if they are attempting to jump from a really high place to another place and they can't quite get there and they end up hurting themselves that way. When they have these e-collars on, they really got to stay inside. Another thing is when they're laying in the dirt. So this goes for dogs and cats. If they're outside, think about where they lay. They're going to lay in the dirt. They're going to roll in dirt and mud when poop. And now we've gotten that into that abscess. So we want to make sure they can't do that either. And the last reason why is because of maggots. So I've had people put their dogs outside and not do anything with them and have come back with maggots because they were outside, right? 
they were outside that whole time. And it was, this is an open wound that a fly just flies onto and then just drops off with eggs. And now we suddenly have maggots. And now we have an even bigger problem. So they should make sure they keep it inside and make sure they keep them clean. Another thing to talk to them about is medication wise. So one thing that people tend to do is if they just can't get a medication, they can't get all the medication in, they just don't get any medication in, which is not what they should do. The antibiotics are the most important thing in this situation. So we want them to be able to get the antibiotics in first. If they can't get the pain medication in, if they can't get the anti-inflammatory in, the antibiotics are going to be the most important. If they can get two of them in and they can't get the third one in, fine. If they can get like the antibiotics and the pain medication, great. Anti-inflammatory is not as big of a deal for me. But some people just can't get medications into their pets. If we're doing like estimates and stuff and they're like, am I going to have to give my dog or cat a pill? Make sure you talk to us about it because maybe we don't. We could potentially give like an injection of Convenia instead. I've definitely done that to a Rottweiler. It is freaking expensive, but it was for a pet that they just couldn't get medication into. So if they can't do that, I'd at least try to get a, some sort of antibiotic into them. So I know that they're getting something, even if it means that it's a super expensive injection, they're at least getting it. Also just talking to them about when they need to come back. So talking to them about the fact that they need to come back in about three to five days to have that drain removed. If everything looks good, they can be sent home with that, with the drain removed. But if that drain site isn't looking great, that they should know that they're potentially going to have to talk to a doctor at that point. And then also talking to them about the fact that they have to have their sutures removed if they have any. So that's usually about 10 to 14 days. That's just because that's how long it takes for all of that healing to occur. We don't want the drain to go past three to five days because if we have this opening and it takes three to five days, if we went past like that five day time period, that opening isn't going to close because it doesn't have fresh tissue. It doesn't have a good bloodstream. It has like something called fibrin, which is the first steps essentially to it becoming a scar. If we have a scar, it's not going to heal properly and it's going to keep this opening there. So we need to have it removed in three to five days to make sure that it's going to be able to close. Another thing too is just talking about the fact that when the drain is removed, there is still going to be a hole there. Like the hole will close up on its own. We have lots of people who call back later and they're like, you guys messed up and there's this hole that's in my pet. And they don't realize that's because of the drain. So just talking to them about those things, especially after you do the drain removal, because maybe the person who is there at discharge is not the person who's bringing them in for the drain removal, right? All right, so just some prevention things, like really the biggest things to help prevent them is prevent abscesses is one, keeping the cats indoors so that they can't fight with other cats. Yes, if you have another cat that they fight with, yeah, maybe they're going to fight and get abscesses, but it's not as likely as the ones who are going to be outdoor cats. Telling them to keep their environment clean, all those weird huskies that keep running into metal objects, like just trying to make sure that there's not things that they can run into, making sure that there's not a lot of weeds that are going to get caught up into like between their toes, things like that. I'm going to talk about some of the, the questions that I've gotten before and just like how to answer those for clients. So one of the questions I get is if the abscess is going to rupture on its own, then why can't we just give antibiotics just to let it drain on its own? Why do we have to sedate them and put a drain? That's a lot more expensive, right? That's a great theory. You're like, well, it's open, right? It's essentially draining itself. So why can't we just put them in antibiotics? You 
can, but let's kind of like think about this first. How did this abscess get here in the first place? There was some sort of bacteria that was introduced into the skin and then it healed too quickly and trapped all that bacteria in there. And now we have this pocket full of purulent discharge. And then it multiplied, right? And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If now this, this pocket of purulent discharge opens, we have some purulent discharge that's coming through there, but it's going to heal again. And now that abscess is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as it's trying to fight it off. So now we just still have the same problem. Like it didn't ever go away. And the antibiotics that we're giving cannot penetrate into the middle of this pocket of pus and go around the outside where we have good blood supply, but the middle of it is not going to get any antibiotics to it. So it's, it's just not going to work. The other thing is that if we don't get rid of all of this, the more bacteria that builds in there, the more it can get through the bloodstream and it's going to make the pet sick. So we want to try to deal with it sooner than later. The other reason for all of this, like why that wouldn't really work when the abscess is ruptured is because all of that skin has been really stretched out. It was really taut skin and now all of it's stretching, stretching, stretching. So it becomes much thinner and it does not have a very good blood supply. That kind of leads to the skin dying off for what you know, we call necrosis. And when the tissue dies, the harder this becomes because now it's harder to close things. It's harder to, for us to take more skin. And it becomes a much more complicated surgery than just putting a simple drain in now. Then let's say if they decided not to, that skin dies. And now they come back later and they're like, this much skin is dead. Now what do we do? Now we have to do things like bandages every day until that skin can heal. It becomes way more costly and like a lot longer endeavor. They're going to be looking at months of healing not just 10 to 14 days. So it's not a good idea just to let them like heal on their own. They should be dealt with. Another question that I'll often get is like what they should watch for at home after they've had the drain placed and everything. So a lot of the same things that they did before, redness, swelling, pain, increased discharge, when the pet's lethargic, not wanting to eat, they sleep sicker. But they also want to look for things like the skin dying off and that skin will look black. So if that skin starts to look black, they should come in so we can evaluate it. Some veterinarians will want to just watch to see if that skin is going to come back. In cats, sometimes it does, it does just fine. And, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we have to take that tissue and remove it and then try to close what we can close then. All right. Another question that I often get from clients is going to be, whether they can give like over-the-counter medications. They're like, can I just give doggy aspirin or can I just give Tylenol? I usually tell people no. So the reason why is because sometimes it interferes with the medications that we're going to give and it makes it not safe for us to give them. And there are sometimes medications that we have to give. And if we can't do that safely, then it's not going to be good for that pet. The other thing is that there are some medications that are not safe for animals. Like Tylenol is detrimental to cats. So if they gave Tylenol to a cat when they felt it was in pain, they would end up having a cat who has to be hospitalized and now have to be treated with an abscess. Some people too also ask about like topical medications. Can't I just put Neosporin over the top of it? And that's an antibiotic, right? Like it should get rid of it. 
But it doesn't work that way because, again, we have an abscess, this pocket of perianal discharge. It's opened up at the top, and now you put this coat of, like, gel over the top. That's going to seal all that bacteria in because nothing can get out around this gel that's in there. And that antibiotic is only going to penetrate like this far. You have all the rest of this that has no penetration into it. So the antibiotics, just putting it topically on there, is not going to work for it. It needs to have some sort of um, antibiotic that's going to go into the whole bloodstream, into the system. And again, if people are like, I just don't think I can get medication into them, talking to us about it because we can potentially give some of these longer lasting medications if that's the case. And then a question that I got from a technician today, which I thought was a very good question. They had asked why we would potentially give unison over cefoxitin. These are both two different types of antibiotics. It's a little hard to say like what the other vet's thoughts are on this, like why they would give one over the other. So I'm going to tell you my opinion on this. Cefoxitin is really good for things like that are skin things. So let's say for surgeries, it is really good for surgeries because I only have to worry about the bacteria on that pet's skin. If I'm going to do things like a C-section or you know, some sort of um, abdominal surgery for a foreign body or something, I only have to worry about the pet's skin, not another dog's bacteria from their mouth or a cat's bacteria from their claws or trailer bacteria. but I only have to worry about one set of bacteria, essentially. I prefer using Unison, though, because it is much broader spectrum. It's going to be better for things like dog bite wounds, cat fight wounds, things like that. I know it will kill off more types of bacteria than cefoxitin will. I don't know what bacteria is in that wound, right? This could be the pet's own bacteria, or it could be bacteria from another animal, or it could be bacteria from a piece of metal. It could be bacteria from a foreign body. But just me seeing a pet that has an abscess, there is no way for me to know what that is from. So for me, Unison is going to be the best choice because I know I can kill more bacteria with it. Okay. Hopefully that all made sense about like abscesses. Like I said, I know everybody loves just like the rupture of abscess, uh, but I think that there's just so much more that goes into it that, that people don't always think about. My funny story. Oh, I'll tell you about like we went RV camping. So we went RV camping this last week because my kids are away at camp and I was just my wife and I, and we were just worried about how this is going to go, but it went great. We had no problems. Except for we got to this camp and it was this place called Soap Lake. Apparently it's like a healing lake. It has all these minerals and stuff in it. And it was really cool. It was really weird. It like was, was oily. Like it was like oily water is the best way I could describe that. But the other interesting thing though, was that there were a large amount of people who were Russian there. I am not really sure why, but there was just a really large amount of Russian people. So everybody was speaking Russian. Everybody knew each other. And I was like, I don't know if there's like some convention that's going on. I have no idea what's happening. So my wife had gotten one of the spots that had, there's three spots that had a hot tub. So she got us one that had a hot tub. We're in the hot tub and like some lady, some Russian lady, like starts yelling out of her car in Russian at us in the hot tub. As she's driving by, she's like leaning out the window, yelling at us. And I don't know what she said. <laughs> I still have no idea what she said. We couldn't 
ask her. She was just driving by and then just left. I, I don't know. We had like this Russian lady yelling at us. I was like, was she like inviting us over for vodka? Are we missing out on drinks right now? Is that what's happening? Or is she upset that we have the hot tub? I, I don't even know what's happening right now. But um, it was still a good trip. We still had fun. We did not get any vodka because I don't know where she went. Who knows? Again, I didn't want to walk over there and it was not about the vodka and she was very angry. Where's Dr. K when I need him? He could have told me what was, what was happening. All right, guys. I hope, again, I hope this makes everything a little bit easier to understand. Um, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, come find me. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to get with some of the other doctors. Dr. Z is on the books for the beginning of August, and I'm going to try for some other doctors as well. All right, if you have any questions, like I said, find me. I'm always happy to answer them, and I will talk to you guys later. Thanks.